Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Gridiron Show, and coming up, we're going to be talking about could the Los Angeles Chargers becoming be becoming the oh be becoming that's weird the London Chargers, and uh, we'll also talk about the big storylines from Week Nine. The Pats lose their O, the Packers lose their dignity, and uh, who is in and out of the MVP race? This is the Gridiron Show. You're listening to The Gridiron Show, Will Gavin, Matt Sherry and Ollie Hunter, who is back from Japan. And the first thing that's happened since he's back from Japan is uh, Adrian Durham, the guy whose show he helps to produce on, on uh, TalkSport, has just absolutely called him out for tweeting a photo of himself in a kimono on Twitter. It's fantastic. Brilliant. Well, I mean, that's entirely your fault because you asked me to tweet a photo of me in a kimono. So, um, <laughs> basically, you've mugged me off. That's great. <laughs> yes, but it, it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. He's literally, right. you tweeted back in Blay after two and a half weeks in Japan and it's freezing. And he's tweeted, England lost the final while you're away, mate. Oh, and you tweeted a picture of yourself in a kimono. Thumbs up. Brilliant. Uh, oh, well. Absolutely. I love working yeah. with him. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you, Shezza? Yeah, good, man. Just got a, a poly. Two-year-old in the house at the moment, but other than that, all good. It was the Gridiron Party this past weekend, and I met not one, not two, but three men from Hartlepool. Really? Who were NFL fans. They were all together. They were they oh, come right. to the game together. Uh, one guy was in a DeForest Buckner 49ers jersey, who was the guy that came up to me and said, he came up and he said, Will Gavin. I was like, yeah, and he's like, love the podcast. The best part of it is hearing a Hartlepool accent. It gives me that little feeling of home. So... Uh, I obviously <laughs> drunkenly took a video with him and sent it to Sherry. It was lovely. I didn't know there were three of them, though. That's awesome. He, uh, yeah, the, uh, he just reminded me, he said, poorly uh, as well. That's why. There was something else about him coming over that I was going to say that really made me chuckle. But, yeah, there was, a, there was a nice Hartlepool contingent, even though you couldn't be there, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. It's a shame I couldn't, to be honest. They're always great nights. And I've got I've got family commitments. I've I'm gone to America in a couple of days. So yeah, back at are you home. hyped about the Gridiron Tour 2019? Uh, I am. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm. I've got to send a first draft of the book uh, to publishers on Friday. So at the minute, I can't really. And I've got to get the magazine ready for print as well. So I haven't really processed that it's happening. But when I get when I get to the uh, to the airport on Friday morning, I'll be very very excited. When you arrive at Lambeau Field, ready to see those Packers who were obviously so dominant this past weekend, Ollie Hunter. <laughs> yeah, just anemic on offense. Just Matt LeFleur and uh, Aaron Rodgers back down to earth. But we saw it with Carolina when they got trounced by um, by the 49ers that, um, that there was a reaction 
and of course they they won up the, this past weekend. So I'm expecting Aaron Rodgers to put on a show for Matthew Sherry. And I hope so. That would be that would be awesome against really, those really Carolina awesome. Panthers. In fact, exactly. Uh, it's all cyclical. Whoa. It all comes together beautifully. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Packers. We'll talk about the, the Pats-Ravens game as well. Uh, Lamar Jackson, where is he in the old MVP race with Russell Wilson saving his, uh, his embarrassingly poor defense against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home? It really is no longer Fortress Seattle, is it? We'll touch on a few of the big talking points from this past weekend. But we need to kick off by t- discussing the Chargers situation because uh, a- an exclusive from Vinny Bussin- Bonsignore who, whenever we've had him on our TalkSport show, he, uh, he's like, you can call me Boss Ignore or whatever he says. And I'm like, is it not Boss Ignore? And he's like, yeah, but no Americans actually know how to pronounce that properly, which always gives me a giggle. To be fair, um, you did a pretty average job of it yourself when you first said his name there. Oh, I see. Like, that is it. Go Boss on, Matthew. Ignore. You give it to us. Facts are the facts, aren't they? Uh, Boss Ignore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, it's horrific. Um, a, tweet, a tweeted out an article, he, did, he also wrote the article, uh, that uh, <laughs> the NFL have discussed the possibility of the Chargers moving to London. Uh, the team have said they're still fully committed to, the Los, to Los Angeles, where it's due to move to that new $4.5 billion stadium with the Rams next year, but that they would at least listen to the NFL if they approached them about London as a possible option. Uh, NFL owners are concerned enough about the Chargers situation in LA, where a crowded sports market and the presence of the more established Rams has resulted in a tepid embracement of the Chargers. I think that's a massive understatement. And they would provide the necessary support for a relocation to London should the Chargers choose to pursue it. Uh, we spoke with Alistair Kirkwood over this weekend, and we're going to bring you that interview a little bit later in the show. But I asked him in no kind of uncertain terms, if the league turned around to you and said, uh, you know, we've decided to put in a 17-game schedule, or we've decided we're going to get a team over there, could you do eight games next season? He, he turned around and he said, I've never said no to a challenge, and I absolutely believe our fan base would make it work. So... The London Chargers, how are we feeling about this idea, boys? Yeah, positive for me. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'm still not wholly convinced that there will be a team here. Um, I think it's on a knife edge at the moment, you know. In the magazine last month, they did a big piece on it and spoke to Christopher Halpin, who heads up international now and, and also is touted as a potential future commissioner. And, you know, the, the impression I get is that they, they are very much pivoting back and forth between the possibility of having a 17th week and that bringing extra games to, to, to London and other markets and and the team which has always outwardly been the ambition. Um, and similarly, when I spoke to Clark Hunt, you know, he spoke about the possibility of just more games and how there was a feeling in the, in the league office that maybe that was the way to go, but also then expanded on this grand vision of how you could have a whole division in Europe down the line and things like that. So I think those are the, those, that is the debate inside the NFL offices at the moment. But it might be forced upon them because this Chargers situation is untenable in, in LA. I mean, it just is. You know, it was ludicrous that they relocated there in the first place. You know, they'd, they'd spent a year there of their existence in, in 1960. I mean, there was no fan base in the way that there was with the Rams and even the Raiders who spent it a longer period of time there and won a Super Bowl as the LA Chargers. So, so yeah, I mean, I do think that that situation is unsustainable. And then it becomes a question of, where are the other market opportunities and and then you're looking at you know San Diego, St. Louis, 
places that I guess have had teams previously. Um, maybe I mean, San the first Antonio. thing we can say is that there's no way that if the Spanos is still own that team that they're going to go back to San Diego, surely? No, I wouldn't have thought so. I think they've burned their bridges there. Um, so you would think that that's out. I'm trying to think of... of if there's any other, I mean, I wouldn't say there's there's an array of other cities. I mean, St. Louis, I, I think, would be the obvious one, but... They talked about Austin at one point. Yeah, but I, I just don't see Texas happening. I mean, San Antonio's San the one in Texas that they've yeah. talked about a lot in the past, but I don't think Jerry Jones wants another team close to Dallas, and he is, you know, if you were ranking the importance of NFL ownership, he would be in the top three of all owners. So the, the, the way this works with the kind of internal politicking, Unless you get owners like Jones on board, it's not going to happen. He was key to the Rams winning that vote in the in the first place, and I, and I just don't think he wants to share that that marketplace in Texas. So, so yeah, I mean, ultimately, they, they need to find a solution. If if what you're saying is right, and and a return to San Diego isn't on the cards, which I, th- I think I think you're correct on that, then then where are the other options? And and really, London sits top of that list. So. So yeah, I, I, I get the impression the NFL is torn as to what the best route is for London, but that it might just end up being forced upon them. And and for us, I think it would be. I, I'm ultimately quite laid back about the whole thing. I think a franchise would be great. I think playing six to eight games a year with different teams would be great. I mean, I have no, I have no huge preference. I think we're very fortunate as as a country to be in the situation that we're in, and I'm, I'm happy whichever way it goes. Here's the thing as well with it now, and I'll come to you on this, Ollie, is that they actually got themselves with this new Tottenham Stadium into a position where it's 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 very much a, a, a there's kind of no loss. If they move a team here and it doesn't work longer term, they can move them back to the states. They've not had to outlay any huge amount of money to get them here. You you'd argue maybe they well they will definitely need to if it's going to be the Chargers to uh, realign the divisions. But those can be realigned back. They can be changed again. That's not the end of the world. So it kind of you know if they decide that London was the way to go and they said right let's do it let's do five years and see what happens and at the end of five years they decide it's not worked then they've at least tried it and they've not kind of got a huge amount of liability yeah absolutely and we saw how successful the games in Tottenham were and players or sorry people like Roger Goodell came down and, and, and watched one of the games and you can only be impressed with everything that it, that, that it has to offer when it comes to uh, the facilities, the fact that it is an NFL field, all of that. And it's no surprise that this has come out after those two games, I suppose after the International Series as well, but especially after those two games have, have been road tested and they've realised this is actually a, a proper viable NFL stadium way way better than watching football at Wembley regardless of what NFL UK try and tell us it is way better um, so yeah from all of that point of view it makes sense I just remember when we went to it was called the Staples Centre last year we went there last year and watched the Broncos and yeah there were loads of uh, Broncos fans in there and there were, the, the Chargers tailgate was pretty small and but all of the all of the merchandise was Chargers. It wasn't LA Chargers or San Diego Chargers. It just said Chargers. So it seems like the NFL and the Chargers organization themselves are just waiting for an opportunity to move. And as soon as it comes up, and it seems like this London one is starting to gather some pace, I expect it to happen. Yeah, I mean they're not selling they're not selling any PSLs or anything. You know, like they they they're really struggling to to engage the fan base in in LA. I mean. 
and, and that's the issue. There's there's no tickets. What I think is interesting, and and I think is a real possibility, is that another team who thinks that they might want to move to London challenges the charges for London if it becomes possible. And the team I'm obviously thinking about is the Jaguars because I'm convinced that everything they've done over the last five years is with a view to moving and becoming the London Jaguars. So, well, it's it's a question that's come up a lot on Twitter as we've discussed this. And, and certainly Los Angeles was dangled over teams as a way of, of for many years, of getting cities to put money in of taxpayer money in towards stadiums they've got a very favorable deal with the government in terms of what are paid in terms of taxes for the league the fact that it's basically a monopoly and they can get away with it there's there's lots of stuff that they have that's that's kind of in their favor at the moment and i, I don't know like the thing is with the charger situation in los angeles is that they've got this ridiculous deal with the rams where actually the the, the guaranteed percentage of major revenue streams it means that they will, and, and they've been given quite a long runway to build this fan base, means that actually, you know, if they decided to commit to Los Angeles and do it, then even if they're only half filling that stadium for the first few years, they will be given some rope on it. Also, I didn't realise this until I read Boston Yore's article, but um, even though it's the, one of the smallest stadiums in the NFL, the Dignity Health Sports Park as it is now, um because of the limited seating and the interest in tickets, do you know they're top ten in the NFL in ticket revenue? Yeah, that's absolute madness. Because of the because of all the commercial executive suites and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so it's pretty incredible that they can get to that point. So I don't think they're like you know they're completely tenuous in LA, but I'm with you. I don't think it's a, a massively tenable situation. A lot of uh, the other questions that have come in have been about you know the usual stuff with the fan bases and everything. I think we've gone over that a million and one times, but I still believe that if you go and watch a team eight times a season and you base them at the Tottenham Stadium for the majority of their games, if not all of their games, so that it's a smaller number of tickets you have to sell, that people will start to be won over because they'll want to see the team they're seeing regularly. You might have supported, you know, whoever, the Jets for the last 15 years, although if you're the Jets, you'll probably jump over quite quickly. But how many times have you seen them in New York? How many times have you been to see them live you know you, if you get a season ticket in one season you'll probably see this team more than you've ever seen your team in 15 20 years 30 years of being a fan on their own home ground so i think there will be people who will switch allegiances Thank the divisional the, 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 i was just gonna say the divisional thing's quite interesting to me because um one of the suggestions in the article was moving the texans to the west and the chargers to the south that obviously keeps them in with the jags with the uh, uh with the colts and with the titans all of whom are not difficult travel to get over here and actually that means the afc west would have no west coast teams it would be like the afc west central because now you've got vegas as well vegas kansas city denver and houston actually makes sense as a cluster so I, I, there's a lot of things that people have gone, yeah, well, it wouldn't work because you'd have to realign this. It wouldn't work because of this fan base. But I think do it. See if it works. And I think it will. Yeah, I mean, it will work. I've, I've no doubt about it. I have no doubt they'll sell enough tickets. They'll sell more tickets than, than a lot of NFL teams will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, the, I don't, the season I, I, ticket I, numbers I, for this year, just so you know, we got a number on it, uh, kind of semi unofficially this weekend, and um, it was forty six thousand. Yeah. If you're doing both venues this year, yeah. So, so forty six thousand people bought tickets to both venues. Yeah, it's a that it's is a, it's a huge huge number. I mean, I, I think I think they would sell NFL teams have. I think in the first season they would sell season tickets out if they wanted to, and that is astonishing. 
Also, if you, a lot of people are talking about the whole of the UK would support them. When I went to the Spurs games, and I don't know what it was like with the, the Wembley games, but I should think it's pretty similar. There were so many Dutch, German, Danish, European fans that had come over to watch the game at Spurs that I think actually it's the gateway to Europe and the Spanishes would be absolutely crackers not to explore it because if you're just getting into the NFL or as you said, well, if you've, if you've, got a, a crap team or even if you've got a team in a different um, division or whatever regardless you're going to watch the, the the charges the London charges or whatever they'll end up being and you start rooting for them we, sat, we saw it with the growing swell of support for the Jaguars I remember getting out of my seat and cheering when Alan Hearns scored that touchdown to win the, their first game in London so um it, it will happen. People will naturally gravitate towards another team. You can have two teams. We all pick our teams for spurious reasons anyway. So um, I can't see an issue with it whatsoever. I agree. I agree completely. I mean, they're, they're at worst, they become your second team that's very close to your first team. Yeah. And then I can wear one of their ponchos and everyone can give me stick for it. I think the interesting thing that I would say is that what people should be aware of is I think people think, oh, well, it'll take time to happen. This can happen overnight, you know. It can. All that has to happen is that it gets motioned in a league meeting and it gets voted on and approved. I mean, it's not like, I don't think it'll have to be like a four-year run-up now. I think this can happen any time. And don't be surprised if one, one day you just wake up after a league meeting and they've voted on a team in London, it's happened, and then they're playing in September. That can, that can definitely, definitely happen. Well, this, this is what I said about a no lose situation. Sorry, go on, Ollie. Well, Alistair Kirkwood told us this in in at the Super Bowl last year that if they wanted, we could have had the Raiders this year because yeah. NFL UK had sorted it out. It was ready. It was raring to go. Um, so it's not like the NFL or NFL UK aren't ready for this to happen. They've already got a procedure in place for it to happen. It's it, all you have to do is say the magic words, snap the fingers, and then bang, it, it, it could happen. I mean, if Sherry will, if you were to say the charges are here, are, are, are the London charges next season, um, what percentage do you think it will be? At the moment, I'm I'm a, a solid sixty-five, thirty-five that. It won't happen, but that 35% is getting bigger. I think that what you said there about the Raiders thing is really key because this, the, Ollie's not exaggerating there when he's say, telling that story. This isn't like uh, Alistair said to us in an interview, we could have done it if they'd wanted us to. The NFL literally came to NFL UK and said, show us how you'd make it happen. They put together a workable proposal, which the NFL signed off on. And then the, uh, the Raiders decided for football reasons that they wouldn't, that they weren't going to be the first team to do it. But those football reasons are things that are essentially when you're throwing it into a season like that, when it was quite short notice, kind of the scheduling, etc. They did, they kind of didn't want to be the guinea pig team. I think if you're moving permanently, particularly yeah, for a team like the Chargers, yeah, particularly for a team like the Chargers, who it's not a, you know, it's going to be a huge monetary boon for them and it's going to potentially give them a new home then you take the rough with the smooth of the first season while you're learning what it takes to be a London team because there's a long-term reasoning for it. Instead of, we're doing it for one year, it might make us less competitive, and then we're going to Vegas anyway. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and it just, it does fit in a lot of ways. You know, Philip Rivers is getting old as well. So you're looking at potentially, because there's no way Philip Rivers is moving to London um, based on the fact that he hasn't even moved to LA. Um, but, and you he's know, got yeah, nine kids. Yeah, and you just, I just see a situation where the new era begins, you know, a team building around a new quarterback and, and, it, and it comes over to London. I mean, I think a lot of the pieces fit. Do you, is there anything else that needs to be covered in terms of, because there are obviously, again, the same old questions that we get about you know, how it's going to work, how it's going to work from a tax perspective, all that other stuff. I feel like we've covered that off enough occasions in the past that we kind of don't need to do it again. So should we hear from Alistair Kirkwood and then we'll chat about some of the action from this weekend? Absolutely. Beautiful, right. We, he, we caught up with him at our commentary point at Wembley ahead of the game. Uh, he makes quite the... Uh, quite the accidental prophecy about the quality of the game we ended up seeing on Sunday uh, and then we'll uh, we'll take a break and we'll be uh, here for uh, here for some week nine hot takes how have you felt it's all gone have you been very positive about the experience for the fans over this year yeah it's gone really well I mean I've, I've got to be honest it's a high degree of difficulty this year um, Spurs is a new venue for everybody involved teams fans us as an office so a lot of uh, positive nerves going into those games and then I think it's just as important that we don't take Wembley for granted and uh, just because we've played lots of games here uh, wanted to give give the games here last week and this week as much love as possible uh, we get we interview about 2,000 fans post game um, and we'll get the full results in about three weeks time but um, we get interim results within about 24 hours of the game and they vote on give you marks out of 10 for game day experience uh getting in and out the stadium food and beverage all sorts of other things and of the first three games we've got our highest ever average so um so it would suggest that the teams have been happy you obviously have teams that lose and as long as they don't blame anything other than themselves then that's a great kind of outcome and then the fans themselves are telling us um, that they've had great experiences at, at both Spurs and Wembley. So without trying to jinx it, because you don't want to summarize it until the final game is complete, <laughs> completely finished, so far, you know, th- three quarters through the project, we're in a really good place. He says something interesting there about not wanting to kind of let Wembley neglect it almost, because everyone's been so high on the experience that they had at Spurs and how great that new stadium was. Uh, I'm aware that the Wembley deal, from what I understand is up next year with a five-year extension option are you seeing games uh, NFL games staying here at Wembley for the foreseeable future yeah absolutely I mean again Spurs is the shiny new toy mm-hmm. and so that you're going to get lots of questions about it and a lot of intrigue when people want to know more more about it we have the best of both worlds we have a customized uh, bespoke stadium for American football in Spurs with our own field our own locker rooms our own team entrances and everything else here we're in the national stadium. Twenty-five thousand more people can can come to games than, than they can at Spurs, and so it gives us both flexibility and also um, options to be to go kind of smaller, kind of more modern, more high tech. And then you're here and you're in history and you you're kind of at the national stadium. And you know, if you told me a few years ago that we'd had that perfect combination, I would have, I'd have shaken your hand and taken it. And I, I mean, you said that the fans were happy with that Spurs experience, but I think you guys must be delighted with how those two games came off. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, to be honest, I, I had sleepless nights um, for a long time because 
it's it's a positive thing to do, try and do new things and keep stretching rather than be seeming like it's the same thing. Um, but we had uh, so much kind of complexity behind the scenes. Uh, it's a different type of stadium experience to Wembley and Twickenham. And as a result, um, the relief, uh, that, that, I think that was the right word. It was actually more than kind of pleasure or pride. It was actually just relief that it went as well as it did and that all four teams that played uh, really spoke highly and the players were really, really blown away by the stadium experience. And you had likes of um, alumni uh, like Osia Manura talking about it, uh, who was on the sidelines for both games and said this, that it was as close to a playoff it, um, uh, experience and he's got a lot of experience in playoffs, right? <laughs> than a regular season game. And you just kind of go, that's probably about as big a compliment from a player that you can actually get. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know right now what the kind of plan going forward is? Because we certainly had uh, Commissioner Goodell there for the first game and he talked about going forward that they wanted to expand the schedule further to get more games in there. And he did still mention the, the idea of a franchise. So have they given you an idea of how they want next year to look going beyond that at the moment? No, no. I think they... they keep us in very narrow lanes you know you're only as good as your last game and your next game and so and uh, it's a sporting <laughs> cliche but but it's also true um we have been doing work in the last week or two in terms of what 2020 looks like we've been talking to both stadia in terms of potential dates and we started to identify potential teams and matchups but there's a probably I would guess a good six or seven weeks of um, internal wranglings because there's so many iterations that go into it. It's not just a case of can you find a home team, can you find an away team, then can you get the U.S. broadcasters to agree? Does, does it actually fit in with the rest of the schedule? How does it? Who wants their bye week afterwards? What? When would they like? Where would they likely play the week before in the states? And on and on and on. Um, so I kind of know what what 2020 looks like. But I also have a really good reputation with it within within the London office of telling people what I think is likely to happen, and then having to tell them that it's changed again. <laughs> so, mm. uh, you've, uh, somebody, there's been a bit of a change at those NFL offices with Christopher Halpin coming in the last year or so in place of Mark Waller, who obviously was a big part of the games coming here in the first yes. place and yes. growing. What's his approach been to, to the whole idea? Because obviously we've got this collective bargaining agreement coming up. We get asked constantly by people whether or not franchise could be over here. How are they feeling in the league office about the expansion here in the UK I right think they're now? feeling really, well, first of all, really good about the London experience. I think uh, Chris, Chris is slightly different insofar as his role is EVP of growth and strategy. So he's basically, he- his, ma- his main day job is to be heavily involved in everything to do with the domestic game, including... Um, what the future looks like. He's positioned this internally as international is incredibly important uh, to the league because it's the future of where kind of fan growth is going to come from. And so he's incredibly supportive of it and also right, po- rightly well positioned to be able to uh, lobby for us in the right places. So um, I'm really confident that, you know, based on how this season has gone, we've never been in a better position. Um, who knows what the future will be, but, but we've got all the right levels of support. Alistair, can I just ask for the NFL UK office? We hear all the time that everybody's looking to expand the brand of the NFL into Europe, but is there almost an opportunity for the NFL UK office to expand into the US? Because players are continually surprised about the interest and the intelligence level of UK fans, as are US fans and even the broadcasters that come over. They don't almost anticipate how knowledgeable and how into the NFL the UK are until they experience it. Is there a desire to...
to really change that on the other side of the pond as well. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a slow it's a slow burner to a certain extent because you've got to do it through credibility. Uh, I had this this series of games, still two or three alumni that came in and, t- and were saying things like, publicly were saying, oh, they cheer only when field goals are being scored and some of them even know the rules. So you kind of know that, <laughs> to, be, to be fair to them, they don't live and breathe it and maybe that's only the first or the second experience that they've had. Um, and all you can keep doing, first of all, is do as, me- as many things as possible. Secondly, I think the growth that we've had in terms of British and international players has shifted the football community completely, right? The likes of Jakob Johnson uh, as a German player going on to the 53, admittedly got injured, and Bill Belichick talking him up uh, so much. The fact that we've had a couple of players drafted that have never played the sport before. Christian Wade having an unbelievable preseason. There were guys behind the scenes, British players like Christian Scott the Williamson for the Steelers, where the Steelers were really talking him up, and unfortunately he just got an injury in pre-season, otherwise this could have been his breakthrough year. More of those kind of things keep challenging people's, you know, perceptions from, you know, how they've grown up, thinking that that we've just, we just see this as a novelty. So I believe that if we continue to do more and more of these things, also things like the academy that we run in with Barnet and Southgate College, more of those kind of levels of successes, we're, we're chipping away. We're making a lot, lot more progress. The fact that we actually have four games a year now, um, from a visibility perspective, we actually probably punch above our weight. And as you, it doesn't work on the radio, but if you can see my weight, that's a substantial punch. <laughs> if we had a point where, because there's a conversation about 18 game seasons or 17 game seasons with a neutral site game, if they turned around to you and said, this off season or the next off season, right, we want to make it eight games from now on do you think that the there is a position here with the fan base and with the uk office where we could do that not at a drop of a hat but could make it happen i will let you into a secret over the last however many years we've been doing this um i have never said no to any opportunity so every single time they've said can we go to multiple games can we do back to bats can we do this can we do that my starting point is yes because i actually believe in our fan base i believe that the sport is amongst the best sports around and that whatever is thrown uh, to to us as an opportunity we'll all embrace maybe I'm a little bit too kind of optimistic about that but (laughs) so far the fan base has proven that out and have never let us down no matter what we've actually um, experienced and if you look at it it's not like we always have the best and most attractive games and and it's it's a crapshoot as to whether you know Last the previous year, you're predicting what could be a great game and what couldn't be. Tonight, today's game is a truly must-win game for both, and you can feel the energy and the level of anxiety and stress with with, with both teams. We haven't always had that uh, for for every single game, to be honest. But come through thick and thick and thin. Um, uh, our fan base kind of supports it and just loves the sport in general. Well, wonderful, Alistair. We really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us, and we look forward to announcements in the not too distant future and uh, finding out what's going to be happening next season and and fingers crossed it's it's all very positive and uh, we're talking about expansion appreciate it and let's hope for a great game today because uh, i'm talking it up in my own mind that you know this is <laughs> this is close this is close to a playoff game because this could decide uh who wins the division and you know law of averages this will probably be a blowout for one team or the other just because i've talked it up so much <laughs> 
Alistair Kirkwood speaking with us at Wembley this past weekend. Some fascinating stuff there. Let us know what you think about the Chargers. We have done a poll about whether or not you'd buy a season ticket. As, as always, there's some you know overwhelming negativity and then other people shooting, shooting down the points and yada, yada, yada. I think if it happens... Like Sherry says, I expect it to sell out and we'll just uh, we'll have to wait and see at the moment. But I'd be stunned if it didn't. Uh, let's turn our attention to this past weekend then. And it's probably only one place to start is Sunday night football. The Baltimore Ravens ended up with what it looked like in the end, a comfortable victory over the New England Patriots. Thanks to the late turnover and the late touchdowns. But the fact is, is that from drive one, they managed to move the ball on this Patriots off a Patriots defense. It was only thanks to the muffed punt that the game seemed to, to to turn. And yes, you then got a period where the Patriots were dominant for a period of time. But but overall, you have to say the Ravens were good for the victory. It, it brings into question what it means for the rest of the season. So, Sherry, let's start off with the Patriots. You know, did we see some potentially fatal flaws come January exposed by this Baltimore side? Um, I mean, the the inside of their run defense, the the, the inside run defense has has been an issue. Um, I don't think it was a huge issue after the the Auburn and drives, but certainly at the start of the game, the most interesting stuff for me from a Patriots perspective defensively is that after the first three drives, the Patriots allowed four point three points per play, which is exactly what they've allowed all season. Now that factors into what we were saying privately well when we would when the game was on which is that Teddy Bruce tweeted that that kind of defense it takes you some time to just get adjusted to the speed of it and I think that happened you know that they got in a big hole early uh, battled back out of it quite impressively and then you get the the dreadful fumble by Julian Edelman that there is a 10 to 14 point swing in the game you know you go from the Patriots taking control of the game and being ahead in the start of the third quarter to be behind. And then, you know, from that point, they were again fighting an uphill battle and it was just a bridge too far. Um, ultimately, you need to get ahead against that Ravens team. You know, that it, if, if you were scripting a plan to beat them, that what New England did in that game was, was basically everything that you wouldn't want to do. You need to get Jackson in a situation where they can't use the running game as much and you force them into throwing situations. I mean, that, that, I think he completed one decent pass all night, you know, that, and that's, that's where when we come on to the MVP discussion later, I, I have a slight issue with him being rated by some people ahead of guys like Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. I thought it was a great plan by Greg Roman, um, but from a Patriots perspective, you know, I'm very laissez-faire about it. They, they ultimately, it reminded me a lot of the Titans game last season, which was they, they had a late-season late bye last year and they got absolutely blown out by the Titans on the road. This wasn't like that in the sense that I thought the Patriots were competitive and Ravens are a much better team than that Titans team was. But they're an old team and old teams having late-season buys are going to have performances like this. Now... They've got a really tough schedule on the other side of the bye where I think we'll learn a lot more about them. But for me, I'm I'm not that concerned about it. Um, I think that if they played them again two weeks from now, they'd be a lot better because they've seen the offence in person. The Ravens were coming off a bye. That's John Harbour, who I've always considered one of the best two or three coaches in football. Eight and two off a bye. Um, so it was a, t- it was a tall order when you look at it. On the road, Sunday night football in Baltimore, passionate crowd, an offense that is so different to anything that you'll ever see. And, and yeah, I mean, and, and the game turns on some critical mistakes. I mean, I think there were four drives that the Patriots extended for the Ravens with, with penalties. It was just very unpatriot like. And I think for all the reasons I've just said and for all those reasons, I'm, I'm, 
I'm genuinely not remotely concerned. I think Bill Belichick, as much as he would love to go 19-0, he'll secretly be quite happy. It gives him an opportunity to to get back into the players and refocus them because I do think there was a little bit of of overconfidence certainly on that defence. So yeah, I think in the in the long run it it potentially helps them more than it hurts them. I do think that a lot of valid points there, and I think you're absolutely right on most of it. And and it, you know, classic Patriots that they're going to get to see one of the teams that could have been a real threat to them in January now. So they get that film on Jackson, they get that experience, and Belichick can now prepare for him fully uh, come January if they do end up facing them. I guess the big question is, and you mentioned the penalties, but it's whether or not that offense, which hasn't looked great so far this season, can step up when a team does play well against them offensively because I mean you've been averaging what 7.6 points per game before this weekend they put 30 on you and there are offenses in the league who hopefully come January if we want to see some competitive games should also be able to put 20 plus points on the Patriots it's whether or not the offense can react in that situation I, mean, I thought that, I thought it was a positive game for the offense I mean Mohamed Sanu looked, looked really good um, the connection with Brady was good the offensive line was bad for the first two drives, but then dramatically improved. Um, you know they, they've got one more game until they get the starting left tackle back, and you can't say enough about what a difference Isaiah Wynn could make. He looked really good. I mean, he's only played two or three NFL games, but he looked outstanding in those games. Um, and Kale Harry was inactive. They're going to get him back as well. I, I think there were some really good signs for the offense. I loved the way they went to the no huddle. It looked really effective. And uh, yeah, I mean, I. I'm not overly concerned because I think Brady's playing really well. I mean, I thought Brady was great the other night. I mean, he threw what looks a bad interception, but it was essentially a punt. I mean, and it was third and long. You know, it was bad by the receiver not to touch the defensive back, which would have downed the ball at the three or four yard line. So, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about that for the moment. I mean, you, you, you need to see some signs of improvement once wins back, and but I think you will. Um, so yeah, but I think the Ravens are a really good team. I mean, the, the thing with the Ravens is that as a coaching staff, they are not frightened of the Patriots. They've beaten them on the road in Foxborough twice in playoff games. So for me, the Ravens always strike fear into me, and this reaffirmed the reason why because I just think they're really well coached. I mean, they remind me of the Patriots in so many ways in that they actually don't beat themselves and they don't do stupid things like the, like New England did in this game to to hand you victory, which so many teams do against the Patriots. So yeah, I mean, just to, I thought it was a good game. I mean, I really enjoyed it and and a good game between two good teams that was a nice preview to what we might get in in January. It was nice to see actually a decent AFC team try and do something against the, the New England Patriots. Good on defense, um, good on offense. I thought Justin Tucker finally missed a, a PAT, but um, I thought Lamar Jackson, the way he uses his legs, and if you're talking about MVPs, it's no longer you can't look at it just now about a bloke who can throw a pretty pass. You're talking about players that can change games by using every single skill set that they have. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson's probably his biggest skill set is is running when the play is broken down and going going towards the first down yard line and um or the first down marker. So what he's doing and the way he's doing it. There was one particular play and I've only watched the highlights because I was in the air um between Tokyo and Beijing. It doesn't matter where I was, but um <laughs> There was one play where he, he, I think it was in the fourth quarter, he, he breaks out left and he 
just drops his shoulder, his left shoulder, which allows the defender to completely bite, and then he just moves yeah. right and up inside him, and, and he gets the first down. And I'm I, I, I'm watching a highlight, and I go, whoa! I mean, it's that kind of stuff. It's incredible. The caveat to everything I would say is... He, Jackson, you know, the, the Patriots can come with a better scheme. They can shut the running game down a little bit. But Jackson is going to make three or four players a game where you just can't do anything because he is so fast. I mean, I've never seen... He, he is Michael Vick in terms of acceleration. The speed with which he, he goes is in, incredible. And, I mean, I, I, I am concerned that... I, I just see at some point him getting a, a massive hit. But he is very good at getting down and getting out of bounds and, and that. And... It, you know, Jackson's interest because everything looks wrong. I mean, the way he carries the ball when he runs looks wrong. Um, some of the... Yeah, I said that throws at- <laughs> I said that to you on Sunday, Sherry. It terrifies me. It's like he's carrying, like... It's like he's just carrying a loaf of bread by his side. Yeah. It's just in one hand. It's like the, the, there's no ball protection at all at times, which does terrify me. I mean, yeah, and... I mean, in this game as well, there were there were at least two passes where there was big deflections that easily could have been pick sixes, yeah. you know. So... So often these games turn, and it's context, isn't it? With every game, and I think that's why we, what we try and do on this pod. Like last week, when everyone was raving about the Packers, we made the point of saying, "Well, if you actually look at the game, was the scoreline reflective?" And I don't think it was, and I don't think the scoreline was reflective in this game. Although there is an argument without the muff punt early that it could have been a bigger hole for New England, and they might have got blown out. But you know, they never. And I, I just think it was a good game between two good teams, and that. And the Baltimore edged it, but I'm not convinced the wood in the playoffs. The thing is for me with the the Lamar Jackson argument uh, for why I think he like he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Why I um, is the you know. Everything you know about him behind the scenes, how coachable he is, how you know what a brilliant leader he is. Everything you know about the fact that he is meant to be just a running quarterback, and as much as there was only one great pass in this game and a couple of possible interceptions, he has proved to be much more adept in the air when he's needed to be. There was a game two or three weeks ago where they did completely stop the run, and he threw for three hundred plus yards and three touchdowns. Like he has got that in his game as well. I, I, and the fact is, he's the youngest quarterback to beat. Belichick since what 2004 first time that a first or second year quarterback has beaten Belichick possibly ever but certainly no, it's, it's in the certainly last like the last 40 or 50 tries something ridiculous yeah it's something ridiculous like that so there is he definitely did himself no end of good in the MVP conversation however there are a couple of other names worth discussing on that front one of them because he did his MVP his particular MVP ballot uh, at the dirty this past weekend and one because he very much improved his conversation let's start off with the negatives because I'm aware that Holly Hunter didn't talk for very much during that Baltimore uh, Patriots chat uh, the Green Bay Packers go to Los Angeles, where the Chargers have not been particularly impressive at home. The number of Packers fans in the stadium made it like a Packers home game. And yet Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram absolutely dominated the Packers up front, just shut them down on offense and end up winning 26-11. to 11. It was, uh, it was a, a come-to-earth game, as you called it earlier, Ollie. Yeah, chastening, massively chastening. They couldn't get anything going at all in that first half they it reminded me a bit of England playing in the World Cup final everything they they tried they were just they just weren't at the races in any way were you, uh, were you in Japan Ollie 
I was in the Japan for the for the World Cup, Rugby World Cup. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether you knew about that. Also, it. Matt Sherry's writing a book. Um, no, but, <laughs> but yeah, nothing went right. It just it was, and for people like Matt Sherry and myself, actually, who sort of saw this kind of game. Yeah, coming, you've that, never been that convinced, have you? For no, especially I, for a, from a fan's perspective, not at all. Because you, the, the, the I think the defense kind of it, it went along uh, at the beginning of the season because of a good performance against a terrible Bears offense and then a couple of other good performances right at the start where teams are just finding their offense really and then they've been massively found out on defense I don't think Mike Pettin is the right guy and then on offense there was a there was a, a bit where the Packers had kind of you'd thought oh there's there's a bit of chemistry here but come up against a good pass rush and a good defense like a, like a, to the Chargers and a banged up offensive line. I know on the last pod you guys said that, um, or the last but one, you guys said that Bulaga and Bakhtiari. Yeah, but Bakhtiari's great. I'm not a fan of Bulaga. It was interesting to see them put two guys, the two best guys on that side and really go after him. Yeah. But the, the thing is, um, both of those guys do spend time out of the game with various issues. They don't yeah. practice each and every week in, in full pro, full practice. And that, in the end, is gonna you're going to get found out. So as much as I like them both, and I do, they're, they're not they're not as healthy as, as some people may think, and that is getting found out. Green Bay got found out. That's exactly what happened. They got found out on the road where they should have won. And... Um, that just shows that they're not a bona fide playoff t- team for me. They might make it into the playoffs, but I don't think they can win any games in there. Yeah, I, I think that I think they're in a lot of trouble. I mean, they're off. They're, they're, for me, the big worry is 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 a defense that I really thought was going to be very good this year, and certainly over that, you know, we look back at week one against the Bears and and that the first couple of weeks, and it looked like they were going to be a defense led team. But I think they've given up four hundred yards of offense in each of the last. Four or five games. I mean, that is that is absolutely awful, isn't it? So, so yeah. I mean, I, I've never been hugely convinced by by the um, by the offense. I mean, I thought that the way the Chargers attacked the protection schemes reminded me a little bit of of the way the Patriots did it to the Jets, and, and Green Bay just didn't have an answer. You know, they lined they lined Ingram and, and Bosa up all over the place, often on the same side, and and Green Bay just didn't didn't have a plan to answer it in the first place and never looked like finding a counter move to it as well and that's that's the worry with LaFleur isn't it you know that and all young coaches I guess even you know even Sean McVay in the Super Bowl last year they can put together a good game plan but can they adjust in game and I think a lot of these young inexperienced coaches just can't do it and and yeah I think there are some I, I wasn't surprised I mean maybe I was that it was so bad against the Chargers but I mean I've said now for four weeks I've thought this has been coming and, and and I wouldn't be massively surprised if the Panthers do the same thing to them this week especially with Christian McCaffrey who Green yeah. Bay have a habit of against elite elite running backs of giving up a lot of yards so that it, it it's uh, it's happened over the last three or four seasons where one running back will just absolutely destroy them and it could be McCaffrey this week yeah uh, the, uh, the the fact is in their division, though, they did get a little bit of a help with the fact that the uh, Minnesota Vikings went down to a, a rather impressive Matt Moore performance, it's fair to say, uh, in losing in Kansas City. It's a huge, huge win for Kansas, considering that they'd already Stop lost to... Stop calling them Kansas, man. It's every week. I don't care. 
Do you know how close it is to the border? It's not acceptable, man. Do you know, it's literally like you could walk from Missouri to Kansas in about 10 minutes. Is it in the state? No. <laughs> All right. Kansas City, get over it. The fact they'd already lost two at home as well, the fact that they were going up against a really good defense without Patrick Mahomes, the fact they've got to go on the road for a few weeks on the bounce now, uh, really, really big for them. I, I don't think, and, you know, we've got a few teams in the AFC between the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens, the Texans. I mean, maybe the Ravens, if they go undefeated, that's the only team I could see actually challenging. But the Patriots realistically have to drop two of their remaining games and I'm not seeing where those are but for their race for a bye and for their race for the division <coughs> oh excuse me a huge win for them that was uh, I don't know what yeah, that was a huge a huge disappointment for the Vikings as well I'm, I'm close to to getting back off the Vikings train because they do this too often I mean there is just no excuse you think they've lost to the Chiefs and think oh well you can lose on the road at Arrowhead but there's no excuse for losing to a team as banged up as the Chiefs are doing the down a starting left tackle a MVP quarterback for a start um it's and the Vikings' defense is meant to be their strong point, and yeah, I yet I think their secondary is is massively exploitable. I mean, I consider it a great defense just because it's Mike Zimmer and what we've seen in historically. But you know, teams are thrown on them quite effectively at will now, week to week. But for that me, BFF the FF thing I sent you about the Matt Moore. Through these last two games, has the best pressurized passer rating in the NFL, the best deep passer rating in the NFL, the fourth best uh, play action passer rating in the NFL. Those aren't stats that you should be putting up when you consider you've played the Vikings. No, I mean, Matt, Matt Moore, though, is, is one of my all time NFL heroes and has been for a number of years. This is true. I, I just, I've always thought he was really good when he was in Miami, and I always appreciated the fact that. In my mind's eye version of him, he was just essentially a very talented surfer dude who decided to be a backup quarterback in Miami, make some decent money and, and live the life. So I, I just I just enjoy... I, I didn't realise when we spoke about him a couple of weeks ago that he'd, that he'd arrived at the Chiefs so late in the day and been coaching in high school. It's just class, man. But he is a talented guy. I mean, I think I always considered him one of the best backups in the league and, and he's shown that again. Um but that doesn't excuse this from the Vikings, who they've got big problems on the road, particularly in outdoor games. And and I I thought Kirk Cousins was just really bad in this game as well. The amount of times on third down and third and ten, he's just dropping it off for a two-yard gain and or just throwing a desperation pass that doesn't look like it's going to hit anybody. I'd, he's a weird, weird quarterback. But he, he's, he? simi- he's similar to... I put him and Derek Carr always in the same category. If the running game works, it's like watching a different offense. But if it doesn't, uh, and and in this game it didn't as a product of some weird Vikings play calling. I mean, they they didn't use Dalvin Cook enough. But it's just a bad bad game for the Vikings and one that might cost them uh, a, a division title. I mean, you know, you you've already got a loss to Green Bay. You're going to play the Packers at home. So just say you win that, it's going to come down to. You know, games against other teams, common opponents, and for Green Bay to have won in Arrowhead the week before, I just think it's a massive, massive loss for the Vikings. And that Vikings team needs home field advantage in playoff games. So, yeah, big, big defeat. 
And then the guy who really helped his MVP race, the last one we probably need to talk about from at the weekend, is the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, they managed to keep some pace with the 49ers, who they face on Monday Night Football in San Francisco next week. What a game <laughs> that's set up to be. Uh, the I, I like I was going to come on and go. Oh, look, the 49ers are the only undefeated team. But I forgot we've already had our bye week, and the Patriots haven't yet. So we need to get to nine and zero before you get braggadocious about it. Um, look, the, 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 here's the thing. The, the it was a great game between the Seahawks and Bucks. Probably the best game of the day. But 378 yards, five touchdowns, uh, a, a fourth game-winning drive of the season, a 27th of the year, and having to do it after Jason Myers missed a field goal, which would have already given him a game-winning drive late on. Just unbelievable from Russell Wilson. He's just a king, isn't he? He's best quarterback in the NFL right now, and I, I'm not sure it's. It's it's overly close. I mean, he's just absolutely spectacular. He looks, he looks so good. Like it's so nice. It, it reminds me of when Brady in 07, when you get a great quarterback who's been in the league for a number of years, and you can just watch the how easy the game looks to them in terms of the way they're reading things. I mean, you know, it, it, in Deshaun Watson and to a lesser extent Lamar Jackson, we're seeing what Russell Wilson was X number of years ago. Now you still see those plays from Wilson, but so much of the rest of it is just dropping back, passing. I mean, his deep ball is just, it's a, th- it's a sight to behold time and time again. And, and he, he really is carrying a very, very average team to, you know, I mean, they're in the mix for the number one seed. I, don't, I, I still think there's a chance they could miss the playoffs because their schedule is so tough from here on in. But I also ultimately think he'll win a couple of games on his own, like he did this week. I mean, Ollie, we we literally called this game exactly how it went, didn't we? Said it would be a lot closer than people think, and that it would be settled by Russell Wilson magic on because I think the Bucks are a decent team, and that's what happened. He's just he's so good. Pleasure to watch him. I just think he's the he's at the peak of his powers at the moment. And when he's got two players, two receivers in. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Some of the catches Metcalf was making, there was one um, down the left-hand side where he has to turn and come back on it. And it's just it's just knowing what Russell Wilson's going to do. I love Metcalf. He, he's big, he's strong. Then Lockett, he, scored, he caught 13 of 18, which I know that's five he's missed, but 13 catches in a game yeah. for 152 yards, two touchdowns. There was the over-the-shoulder first touchdown in the, the back end of the end zone. Both of them, actually, both of those. Just... He, he's it, the team is not very talented, and I quite like Carson. But on defense, they're dreadful. But on offense, with Lockett, Metcalf, and they could get Josh Gordon. I, you know, I, I think Russell Wilson has the the weapons to then go out and win games on his own, because what he did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was just stunning. Yeah, spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. I think that kind of uh, wraps us up for today. Were there any other storylines from the weekend that anyone did want to touch on while we were here? Uh, just that it was great to see Miami win. And, and I think Deshaun Watson... Oh, yeah. How did we not talk about the number one pick? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could we could talk about the game in London because Deshaun Watson was brilliant. And do you know what? It was a real treat actually getting to see him live after we went all the way to bleeding Houston to go and see him and didn't actually get to watch him in person. But the... Um, yeah, all all in all, I uh, it, it was great to get to watch him live. He was fantastic, but it was a seriously banged up Jacksonville performance, and uh, yeah, one where they got real desperate late on, and so ended up giving up. Was it four turnovers in the fourth quarter after Minshew had been a really kind of safe 
and solid quarterback up until that point. And, uh, I mean, even though he didn't manage to move the offense all day, and yes, they had the missed field goal, which was a mess, and yes, they had the, uh, the, the missed fourth down conversion, which was a problem. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that they're... Um, the, the, until that fourth quarter, he probably still was in the driver's seat to have the job after the bye week. They've probably got a very good excuse to put Nick Foles in now. Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I would build around Minshew still. I mean, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't put this loss down to him, and he's, he's got enough credit in the bank, but I think they will go to Foles. Yeah, wonderful stuff. Right, good, fantastic. Well, we've still got, we've got we're recording two 100 podcasts today, Sherry, but are we saving one for next week while you're on the road? No, we'll do them both. Get them both out this week. We'll do another one next week. I'll, I'll, I'm not on the road, but it doesn't mean I can't record a podcast. Just right, mate. <laughs> did you did you feel recorded like them on the road, buddy? Yeah, that's true. That's true. When I could, I did. Wonderful. Well, in which case, thank you very much for listening at UK Gridiron on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, at Gridiron on Twitter. You can find Ollie and Sherry and myself there as well. Ollie, any final thoughts? No final thoughts. I'm going to spend the day in sweatpants and eating crisps. Sweatpants. Uh, Ollie said he could come over to record the podcast, and I literally was like, I don't want to get out of my pants, so uh, don't worry about it. We'll just do it later. I'll uh, still come over. I mean, <laughs> you'd have come over with us sat here, but us naked having not had a shower for four days, though, Sherry. So, you know, we're not those kind of men. We have respect for ourselves and each other. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. It was a weird ending. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, 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 horse. Full terms apply, 18 plus only, be Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.